Hi, and welcome to the CCB Weekly Check-In Podcast with your host, Timothy Prendergast. It's 2021. We have an evolving podcast where we hear from our people, their stories, and learn and develop along the way. So sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode of the Weekly Check-In Podcast. It is the weekly check-in podcast with me, Tim Prendergast. I hope you are all enjoying a warm spell of weather, um, as myself and I assume my guest uh, certainly are at the moment. As uh, as the crow flies, I think uh, my guest is probably around four or five miles away from me on a very warm and balmy morning. It is with a huge pleasure to welcome in uh, Guy Phillips. Mr. Phillips, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, Prendo. All well here the sun is certainly shining um so a good start to the day brilliant 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 now uh again it's the same as a number of guests we've had throughout the the last year or so you're uh someone dear to my heart as well as someone i've known since day one in the organization um very well known to me and and throughout ccb for that matter but uh just in your own words mate who are you guy phillips yeah, good question. So I am the sector head for hotels across OCC. So I think most people across OCC will have a rough idea who I am, but maybe not across the wider business. Um, that's that's on the weekday, on the weekend. Father of two, Theo and Alice uh, live in Earlsfield. So yeah, as you say, about five miles as the crow flies. Um, with my wife, Catherine, who is an artist, um, whose studio is just down the road. Um, and yeah, other than that, I suppose, just looking forward to, to the summer and what, what that might hold. Indeed, indeed. Um, so hotels and uh, you, know, you mentioned summer, you mentioned, uh, well, you you didn't mention holidays, but holidays are certainly front and centre of many people's minds at the moment. But having maybe come off one in, in the half term and obviously plans well afoot for the summer. I mean, with your expertise, experience, it would be, I mean, fantastic to to just hear maybe about that journey that you know, the hotel industry has been on in the last 15 months. It's fair to say that from all the industries, that has been one of the, the hardest hit. Um, I mean, just a, a, a view, I mean, and, and where we're at right now and, and how might they need to change in the future? And then, you know, what, what's occupancy like at the moment? Yeah, yeah, good question. Um, it's been a pretty wild ride, I think, would be an accurate statement. Uh, certainly going from a sort of BAU front office sort of sales team where you probably only ever have about, 10% of your client portfolio at any one particular time needing you seeking uh, support and help um, and sort of being in an urgent situation, going from that to 100% and, and every single client needing you and standing at the front of the queue shouting, we need help as quickly as possible, uh, certainly caught us all a little bit by surprise. So we were pretty quick and early in the sense of helping with covenant waivers and capital repayment holidays. I think we sort of got out ahead of um, the wider measures that got put in place uh, with Nathan coming out, providing that pandemic support. So the original response um, was probably one of, you know, a feeling of real 
power and being empowered and changing things incredibly quickly, working from home, um, getting things out on DocuSign, trying to to be in a position to to help as quickly as we can. And clearly with the hotel sector being as impacted as it has been, it was always a question of you've got no money coming in, um, but you've still got costs going out and, and eventually you're, you're going to run out of money. So, so that liquidity crisis sort of meant we very quickly had to move to talking in the sense of uh, the language of a restructuring manager, I suppose. It's all about short-term cash flow and all about liquidity. Yeah. Uh, but it was great that you had, you know, a, a great relationship in terms of how we worked with risk, you know, how we were working with all parties to say, well, how can we be you know, part of the, the solution, really, and not a part of the problem in the sense of the, the original financial crisis? So it was a real, I suppose, joint effort and collaborative affair to sort of get as much support out as quickly as we could. I think as we then went through sort of March, April, May, um, and it was just pure panic stations, firefighting, trying to get as many people uh liquidity facilities as quickly as we could you know the expectation back then is things would have died down by the summer we then realized that wasn't going to be the case um and the original seabulls deadline back in september and being pushed out to november then being pushed out to the january um being pushed out to march and then finally closing in may that that phrase that everyone said at the time uh, uh very prescient you know it's a marathon not a sprint we, we certainly didn't expect to still be sprinting um 15 months later yeah but that that was probably one of the biggest reflections around actually just trying to create the space ensure we can help as many people as possible but also making sure we're sort of helping each other because uh, certainly for the first three to six months it was just absolutely full-on but Glad to say, you know, everyone that that was a core uh, borrower who had been borrowing money from us, we were able to support where requested. Um, uh, and I think just taking a paper up to CBCRCF, actually, and, and not just across the hotels team, because I'm immensely proud of just how much support we provided, but across the wider OCC, um, you know, we provided liquidity facilities over 200 million just into the hotel sector. So uh, that's, you know, 15% of our total CCB hotel exposure um, has been borrowed, provided um, out to to clients. So, you know, that's a, it's a huge testament to, to how much work has been put in place over the last 12 months. Wow. And in terms of, um, you know, the, the industry as a whole, like you've obviously you're quite close to it you give us a bit of a perspective from the the hoteliers you know point of view and and how how that's playing out now hotels are opening and you know, been a, a few breaks put on in terms of um you know the freedom the yeah. but um, yeah can you talk to us a little bit about that yeah absolutely um yeah the most most recent announcement so um not great from a hospitality perspective to to have another um four week delay um, I think it was being expected over the last couple of weeks. So taking one little step back, May the 17th, the ability for you know hotels to, to really reopen and 
have the leisure guest return um, whilst quite a few hotels did remain open over lockdown three. I mean, occupancy was was negligible, single digits really, when you're reliant on key workers or, or people that were having to travel and having to stay away. Um, and really the, the key for the industry is having the leisure guest um, and having us all out on holiday looking to utilise um, the facility. So it was great that hotels could open, still restrictions, rule of six, table service and the like. Um, so the the real look forward was June 21st, will we be able to be fully released? Um, and therefore, what's that going to look like? How are we going to then maximise the opportunity over the summer? So the there is initial point, disappointment. Um, I think generally hoteliers are are in a slightly stronger position than some of the rest in the hospitality industry i know you know the pubs are really really feeling it um and quite a few of the restaurants are really struggling just in terms of not having the full release um and whether or not they can maximize the opportunity um but generally our our hoteliers are quite sort of positive that the um bookings for the summer are just through the roof um, not not surprisingly, what ordinarily we used to see pre-COVID is really strong rate in occupancy in London. Um, and there was the gap, the ADR gap, the average daily rate gap between London and then the regions. Um, and obviously much lower rate in occupancy in the regions. Um, that is completely flipped on its head. Uh, and with the fact that we don't have tourists and international travel back yet, Sorry, when I want to say tourist, the international traveller um, and the international corporate traveller has yet to return. We have a much, much lower uh, demand in London um, with a much, much higher demand across the regions. Um, and our snazzy uh, moniker, which is country and coast, uh, the hotels that are staycation orientated have probably never had stronger business on the books and a stronger booking window for the summer. So a lot of the UK who would have ordinarily gone to, to Europe for their summer holidays, clearly they booked anything they can within the UK. Some might be hedging their bets on the hope that if there's more green list countries added and we, we start to see international travel return that they can you know, cancel those bookings and, and, and travel but with the fact that we pushed things back for weeks you know, the fact that Portugal came off the green list I think people now more than ever are just saying okay well we just need to make sure it's looking likely that it's going to be a UK staycation um, and then we might have upside that we get to go away over the summer but that that certainly is looking to deliver uh, quite a boost to to the regional hotel market um one of our clients in, to down in the new forest uh Tuton glen um i mean they they had one treehouse available for one night um over the whole of july and august um and that was over ten thousand pounds <laughs> one night so you know as you can imagine looking to maximize that opportunity as much as possible and then of course on the downside, when you're trying to maximize the opportunity, is there's a huge, huge staffing shortage. Uh, 
UK hospitality has historically been quite reliant on EU migrant workers um, and with a lot of people being put on furlough or in fact even sort of losing jobs um, uh, and having the length of time being on furlough potentially going back to um, back to Europe uh, and now not necessarily looking to return um, uh, there was something recently in the caterer saying 85% of hospitality businesses are, are having a chef shortage at the moment um, talking to one of our other clients on Friday um, Park Plaza uh, they were saying that people are actually coming in mid-service um, whilst either there's the receptionist on the desk or um, the waiters in the middle of the lunch service um, and trying to poach staff, um, offering them signing on bonuses. Uh, and it's it's got to that extent that the shortage has meant that people are unable to to maximise on the opportunity. Uh, I think it was um, Le Gavroche that, that came out and said they're not going to be opening for lunch service and they can only offer dinner service, even though they could be fully booked for both lunch and dinner because there's a lack of uh, five-star waiters and waitresses out there at the moment. Um, and their staff shortage just means that they can only be able to open sort of for 50% of the planned trade over the summer. So the, the staff wow. shortages, yeah, it's it's really kind of hitting quite hard. Um, that's gonna That's obviously an impact of, covid brexit um and one of the other interesting things which we you know you wouldn't necessarily have thought about is a lot of the hospitality workers who were sort of on furlough or, or lost their jobs have actually found work supporting the vaccine rollout the testing um uh stations and and therefore you know a lot of them are are supporting those programs um, and and therefore aren't in a position to simply you know walk back into uh, the roles so having all hotels open with a big sort of bang mid-may things like supply chain issues um, uh, and one of our other customers um, Aurora uh, was saying that they have eight of their hotels which they've signed up for quarantine um, which given they've they're very much airport based is, is a very sensible thing to have done to try and protect liquidity. Um, but they're having a real problem with um, their bed supplier because uh, getting mattresses um, to be able to ensure they can, again, maximize that opportunity um, that the quarantine uh, contract offers. The, the suppliers, all of their staff have been on furlough. They haven't necessarily got them back in. So whilst the hotels are opening and saying, yep, great. Um, there have been supply chain issues uh, and that also then puts a lot more pressure on cost, wage inflation. So, it, you know, not to put too much of a downer on it because uh, clearly it's great that they're able, they are open. It's great that they are able to have such a strong booking window. We're expecting the bounce this year to be stronger than last year. Um, and I think when we look back in September, we're going to, say you know a fantastic period um where it's uk domestic um still where we're reliant on international travelers that's going to take a little bit more time um but it's it's we're, we're in a much better position than we were 12 months ago um you know businesses have reduced their cost base significantly so they should come back leaner and be able to therefore operate at lower occupancy levels 
um, there was some recent STR data that's saying of the hotels that are open, um, there was 65% occupancy achieved over, and that's for all hotel classes. So that you know, includes London um, uh, over the half term break. So, so, you know, that's a lot stronger than I was expecting um, and does show that there is a lot of demand. You know, people are desperate to, to get away for holidays. Um, so I think the, the green shoots, as we always say, are definitely out there. Um, and it's just uh, just a question of keeping close to, to those hoteliers who are still going to need help um, over the coming months. Fascinating. Incredible insights, Guy. Thank you for, for that. You talked about booking windows, and I know your booking window in terms of uh, speaking to us uh, is, is limited as well. But I want to get a couple more questions in in the last uh, four or five minutes that we have available to us. Um, first one, and, and you talked about it in your previous answer, just around you know, the great collaboration, the backs to the wall, the marathon, not the sprint. Um, as a leader, and um, you know, I know you'd been leader of the team a couple of years um, at least um, uh, before sort of COVID struck. I mean, can you talk to us a little bit about you know, the, the, the challenges there, how you might have evolved um, as a leader? I know we're certainly not out of the, the woods just yet, but you know, the, the learnings and reflections that you've taken from this quite tumultuous period. Yeah, I think... Um... Uh, and good point. You know me; I can waffle on, so I'll I'll keep it more succinct. Um, I think one of the big things for me is it's a given, but communication, going back out, being in a scenario where working from home, this new working environment, um, and just making sure communication lines are open clear and everyone fully understands what they need to do and when they need to do it by um because for the first several months really i mean it was just absolute firefighting running around like headless chickens um but whilst doing that it was always under the common goal of we want to help every single client that is standing there asking for help um and by being able to shift as much as we did you kind of sat back and went, wow, you know, we always talk about if we all have that common goal and we're all pulling in the same direction, just how much can be achieved. So from my perspective, it was just really reaffirming, don't make assumptions. I'm, I'm one to always make assumptions. Clearly contract, keep the lines of communication open. Um, it was even more important when you couldn't just, you know, put your arm around someone, take them to the pub or anything else. And you're just trying to understand what are the challenges everyone's facing working from home. And then as that moved out of firefighting and, and had a little bit more space to sort of breathe, it was, okay, well, how do we maintain the motivation? Um, because ultimately it, it was a marathon um, and we couldn't keep sprinting. So for me, it was trying to keep that balance of, well, how do we, keep that motivation other than just the common goal of helping everyone what what more can we do um to give everyone that support so i mean i could keep keep going but i really think going back to basics helped me around comms what are people's strengths and motivators play to those strengths um and just try and keep everyone feeling like that morale and being able to keep that pace um, the importance of that and the value add that was uh, delivering for our clients.
Yeah, no, fantastic observations. Um, one of the criticisms, well, I wouldn't say criticism, but feedback that came through some from uh, the early days of this podcast was that, Tim, you're asking the same questions all the time. It's too formulaic. And we've <laughs> taken on board that advice because anyone predicting the question flow of this particular conversation will never have guessed, will never have guessed where, where we go with this now. <laughs> uh, last question. It's not every day we have uh, a Guinness Book of Records holder uh, on the podcast. Um, can you, in 60 seconds or less, share your Guinness Book of Records story? Uh, okay, 60 seconds. So people who, who do know me um, will be very, very surprised by the fact that I am technically in the strongman category for uh, Guinness Book of World Records uh, with the heaviest weight lifted with my Big toe, uh, which is 23 kgs, 51 pounds, um, which was achieved 28th of May 2011 in Horning, Norfolk. And for all of those doubters out there, you can go on to GWR um, website and search for that record. Um, and you will see the the very short is uh, that was a sort of uh, domestic stag weekend with a bunch of mates. Um, it had always been a bit of a joke at uni that I had freakishly long toes. They thought I might be able to win the record for the longest toes. Turns out they're not that long. Um, but it then transpired that this, this was a, a category that felt like it was something that could be achieved. Um, and so... On my sort of uh, stag do up in the Norfolk Broads, um, the the guys had organised for a Guinness World Record adjudicator. So out someone came, um, dumbbell and strap provided, um, and and turns out my my toes were freakishly strong, shall we say? Um, and so that that is quite a lasting memory. And it was always a bit of a running joke that that would get broken in short order, no doubt. Um, and the last time I checked, but. I have to say that's not been in the last week or so. Um, that's probably some months back now. Um, it was still standing. So, yeah, I, I am officially a Guinness World Record holder. I have been invited to the Guinness World Record parties, which are hilarious fun. Lots of stories um, about those another time. Um, and still in, in the book. Um, a decade on. A decade on. That's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, as you say, not not something that everyone is aware of, but uh, yeah, it's certainly a good icebreaker and something to be proud of. Hey, Guy, um, yeah, magical to have you on the on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, for those insights, a really fascinating um, glimpse into into the hotels uh, industry, but also great to get to know you uh, a bit better as well. Great. Well, thanks very much, Prendo. Um, it's been a long time coming, so uh, I'm <laughs> glad to say things have quietened down enough. So, yeah, I really appreciate it. No worries. You take care. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thank you so much, Mr. Guy Phillips, for being our guest on this week's weekly check-in podcast, completing our 61st episode of the podcast. Some incredibly interesting insights on the hotel industry and fantastic to get to know a little bit more about you and indeed your world record-breaking exploits. Hey, uh, we're in a wee break next week, so we look forward to catching up with you again in a couple of weeks' time on the CCB podcast. Take care of yourselves. Bye for now.